I had intense fear and panic because we were obviously crashing. Out of my heart came the thought, oh God, help, I'm going to die. From the time that they pronounced me dead was uh, a good 45 minutes. It's determined that I was not breathing for 20 minutes. They cut my clothes and then they paddled my heart because my heart had stopped. And I could see people screaming and crying, but I didn't realize that was actually my physical body because I was somewhere else. About 20 past four in the afternoon, by half past seven, I was dead. Clinically dead, four minutes. And they were crying because I was dead. And I was trying to tell them, no, I'm, I'm not dead, I'm just fine, I'm okay. I was greeted by people I had known in the past. I started to feel like I was surrounded by all this warm, loving, beautiful, soothing, loving energy. I'm back with God again. I just felt this almighty release, like, wow. I'm back. I'm back home again. Incredibly safe and felt at home. I'd come back home. It was a very strong feeling that I've come back home. The only thing that I could feel, if you could imagine, absolute love and peace. There wasn't anything else to be felt. And light is literally emitting from him. And I could feel that that tremendous amount of love was coming through him as well. They were brighter than everybody else. And... I just knew who they were. Welcome to Round Trip Death, everybody. We have with us today, this is gonna be fun today, Sal Adazzi. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Did I, Sal? Yes, it did. Hi, Eric. Thank, thank you for inviting me, and yes, you did. You're welcome. And Sal is from Portugal, now living in Florida. And I think you have about the funnest job in the world. Tell everybody what you do. I, I work as a, I don't call it work because, well, because it called me and, and it's a pleasure still. I, I am a professional sailor and a, a yacht captain. That's my job to take, take boats, sail boats across wherever they need to be sailed to. And in between breaks, I run yachts for other people, for wealthy people. Not a bad gig. I imagine you get to eat the same food and and some of those kind of things along the way too, and see a lot of beautiful places. Yes, I do. I, I do. I do go to incredible places, and the food is remarkable. And and sometimes it's not. Uh, so there's 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 always that balance of life. There's um, there's the incredible stuff, but there's also moments of uh, shocking realities. And, but that's the beauty of it. That's that's what we're here for. Yeah, it's it's adventure. Do you do any racing, by the way? I've been an America's Cup fan for years and years and years. I do. I do some racing from 50 footers to the largest yacht we raced was 200 and something feet, 200 feet, yeah. It was actually a classic schooner, wooden wooden rig, classic styled, and we did race hard, and it's incredible. Well. I'd love to talk sailing with you all day, but that's for somebody else's podcast. We have people here that want to hear about near-death experiences. Uh, yours is cool and scary and has some interesting things to it. Remind me, you had a heart attack when you were 27 years old? Correct. Tell us about that. Were you healthy? Were you? Was this just out of the blue? What happened? I was, uh, I was healthy. Well, I wasn't apparently, but... Uh, <laughs> Well, you look healthy right now. So how, how were you back then? 
I am, I am. So I had, uh, long story short, I had a background, I think since I was 14, uh, I started the drug usage and then until I was 20, 23, 24, yeah, 24, when it was the end of it was a disaster, obviously it's all uh, drug dependency and that was nine to 10 years there. I don't see it as a problem as a, as a disaster anymore uh, but it was what it was but then i did get into rehab and i was clean and sober by 20 when i was 24 so when i had the heart attack at 27 it was totally unexpected because i was clean and sober i was healthy i was doing i was healthy physically i was doing all the right steps you know you have the 12-step program and we do service to to a community and do a lot of healthy lifestyle but three weeks prior to my heart attack, I got into a deep depression and it was at some point it reached such a depth of depression that I desired to die. I wished to die really with everything that I had, I threw the towel and I said, I'd rather die than be here like this. And three weeks later, I found myself having a heart attack. Where were you when it happened? Were you on a boat? Were you, where were you? And now how was at home? in the countryside back in Portugal and at the time I had a, a, a dirt bike and, and I used to get together with my cousins and my friends and on the weekends and we play around with dirt bikes you know just boys being boys just burning some gas and some, using motorcycles playing with engines and I just felt I felt bad I felt felt weird and I told them I'm gonna go and I left them I went to put the motorcycle in the garage and by the time I got to the garage to put the motorcycle in I, I just fell straight on the floor. I it was the most powerless situation I've ever had of having no control over the body and literally falling like a tree, just fall, boom. And I was by myself. So then what happened? Did people find you and then call an ambulance? Take us through kind of the physical stuff and then let's talk about what happened to you spiritually. So on the physical, because the heart stopped pumping blood. Obviously, uh, the whole body shuts down. There's no, there's no fuel, so the body stops. That's why I fell. But the first part, when before I fell down, was the excruciating pain uh, the, that it's known to a heart attack. So my chest just was like it's being ripped with two big knives. It's just weirdest pain I've ever had. Very, very strong pain. And this is when I'm standing up. But by the time I hit the floor and I fell, I fell with my face, I fell with my nose, my face on the floor, I didn't feel it already. So this was, it's such a switch off physically that I hit my nose and didn't hurt me. And I was on the floor and I couldn't breathe. I was, you know, really trying to, to get some air and, uh, and I couldn't, uh, but I still had some, something in me and, and I was getting some gasps. So I managed to get up again and I'm thinking, whoa, this, I got dizzy or I fainted or something, but I couldn't still breathe and the pain was still excruciating. So I fall again and, and I'm still trying to get little bits of air and getting up and falling and to the point that I fall on my back and I have no more air I, and the pain is excruciating. And I, that's when I realized I had something serious. I realized I was not just fainting or not just having some indigestion. That's when I, I couldn't move. Yeah, who found you? No one. No one. So how did you get help? That's where the fun begins. 
Okay, take us through it. <laughs> I because this was the entrance of the garage, and I'm on the floor, and I couldn't get more air in, and it's just like I start fading, and I start realizing that that that's when I'm starting to realize I have something serious, and at this moment, actually, my my cousins, my friends, they they pass through like 50 yards away with their motorcycles going home. They passed through the garage, but they didn't see me on the floor. And I was there. And I wanted to raise a hand, raise a finger, shout, move my head, something. I was giving the conscious commands to the body. Hey, look, go for help, do something. But my body was not replying at all. The body was having none of it. It's loving, you can think whatever you want, but not moving. The, the, The body was steady. I couldn't even move my eyes. I was... And that's when I realized, okay, this must be, this is serious and I must be dying because there's no other explanation. I must be dying. Yeah, this is where the spiritual part starts. Okay, go ahead and tell us about that. The pain being so intense, the body not responding and my consciousness, my saying this voice, the, the, the voice that you have in your head, your own voice still being clear and active as it is now you start understanding that you start self it's a self-defense so i was just i started separating from the physical body i was like wait a minute i'm conscious i'm aware it's just a body that it's not good and first before this i, I, I remember crying uh, when they left they passed me and they didn't see me and i thought okay i'm dying i'm done they were the only option of somebody to see me nobody else is going to come here i'm done and i realized i was dying but i thought i was dying and I remember just what I feel like now. It was the last movement of my body as its last breath of life was a teardrop leaving my body because there was nothing else. And I accepted. And that's when I start separating from it and realizing that it doesn't hurt anymore. At this stage, I was in an intermediate place. I was still holding to the physical life, but I was trying to get away from the pain. So I'm dissociating from my body. And this is when I start noticing around me that the sand, the, the concrete, the trees, the wind, I could see the air between myself and the walls, myself and the trees. What we see as empty space, I see this is not empty space. I, I can, you can see everything as current. You can see the life on the tree. You can see, it's like you have an x-ray. You can, you can see that everything is alive, everything. I realize, oh, this doesn't hurt. And it seems like it's not the end. So I slowly, slowly, but very fastly start accepting and letting go. And as soon as I feel no pain and I started feeling into the blissful states uh, that we are, I, I start moving away from the body. And I see the body flat on the floor. I see the, the trees and the sand of the world. And I start seeing the planet getting smaller, alive, but smaller, and me going. And then I just change direction of thinking and thought and consciousness like okay so what's next this doesn't hurt this feels great this doesn't hurt what's next and i go into this black space feeling amazing still feeling the best feeling i could ever describe and i see the light at the end of the tunnel the traditional light at the end of the tunnel and as i see the light i'm immediately attracted to it and i go through it go to it which which feels like a tunnel but it's not really it's an empty space with a light and it's just the speed of going and I'm starting to be curious and excited and happy because I feel amazing and I see that there's something else all these emotions and these thoughts come very very fast and very 
real, very aware and very obvious. I disconnected from my body already. I didn't care about my body on the floor of the garage anymore. I'm just like, let's go. And that's when I get to the other side of the that light was this this signature. It was this light signature. So powerful and so beautiful and so the feeling is indescribable. It's it's pure love, life. It's what I call it. And I'm faced with it. And we're there and I'm feeling amazing and it's what are you seeing while you're feeling all this? It's 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 ghost progressive. So with all of this now comes a lot of learning of how how my experience was. But as I start having questions and answers, you start taking conclusions and you start realizing how to communicate. So in the beginning, I saw nothing. I just saw this light. And then through my educational, as a Catholic person, uh, even I stopped going to church or I started being so devoted to it when I was a kid, a teenager, 14 or something. Those things are there. And I was raised as a Catholic. So my first thought was, oh, this must be God. So when I take that conclusion, it shapes a kind of uh, old beard, white hair, man with a long white robe stuff. So that light starts gaining shapes. And then I realize I must, so this must be heaven. And I start seeing energetic clouds, not not the traditional clouds, but we were above this field of waves and currents and colors. And as I start making assumptions, they start getting shape depending on my assumptions. So that starts forming. And then I start seeing what I now understand that it, it, was, it was other souls floating around, just a clear image that we were on the other side. So basically that was uh, what I started seeing. So the images of what I see are progressive to... The, the, the mind, the conclusions. Yeah, just for our listeners, I want to explain something, and that is that you're using your hands very much almost like charades at the same time that you're explaining. It must be hard to find all the words to explain all of this. It is. So anyway, so I just wanted to explain that to our listeners that I, I wish you could see because Sal's hands are doing all these things, and I don't really know how to explain it. But I, I think uh, the impression that I'm getting is the experience was overwhelming enough. You're at somewhat of a loss for words. Yeah. And that's why your your hands are trying to help you put it together. So anyway, gather all the adjectives you know, and let's keep let's keep going through it. So you're starting to see things. And you think that a lot of the things that you're seeing are based on your background, your religious background and things. Yes. Why do you, why do you think that is? Because you have the clear understanding of how powerful your mind is and how it creates. You start understanding immediately how your thoughts um, dictate whatever you experience. You see it happening and there's no other way to describe it. So you see how your, your thinking still up there still in a non-physical state, still dictates your experience. And that was one of the best lessons that I brought back with me to, to really understand how powerful our thoughts are because of their, that, that's what's happening. Because all the questions that I had and I start putting them up, they start being answered. Can you give us an idea of what some of those questions were? First question, why am I going through this? And the immediate answer, because that's what you asked for. And the, 
the, when the answer comes, it doesn't come just as a block of information, it comes with image and, and moments. It's like it, it proves, it gives me a clip of the moment that I desired for it. Like we travel back three weeks and it was like, because here you chose this with all this power and emotion and, and direction and focus. And then, oh, and what got me through it? And then this got you to that, that situation that day took you to make that decision. And again, the same goes like a, a map and back, backtracing why everything was, because my questions were mostly focused on why and how and what for. And as I asked questions, that's when we jumped to the life review, which we went to the beginning of, which is also very obvious and an immediate understanding that, because it's very clear there were the information was basically okay. So this time around, putting it very, very obviously, and also you feel it when I say that this, you know, I should have mentioned this before, when you're up there, when you reach and get faced with this, with this bright night. It's like, it's like I got reunited with the rest of me, with my other selves, with my whole self. It's like, it's like the me here on the planet, but just a very small fraction of my real self, the feeling of fullness and, and blissful and, and ecstasy. That comes, that feeling comes with rejoining with what I knew it was the rest of me, the whole of me that I'm just a part, the part of me that it's here on the planet. All of those things become obvious and very clear. Then it starts from the beginning. That's where he goes to, okay, so this time around, when he chose to go, by go meaning sending a little part of you, like tip, dipping your toes in the planet Earth this time to see how the water feels. And that's what we did. That's what you did because it's what you wanted. You wanted to go as yourself this time around to experience this. So that's all very obvious and very clear. There's, there's no... There's no doubt. It's all part of the information that's coming. And it goes to, okay, so this time around, it goes through, it starts from the moment when I was born this time, physically born. Okay. So, so we're jumping into the life review here. Some people have told me that they their life review was almost like going to a movie theater and they were watching it on a big screen or even a stadium and they were watching it on thousands of screens. Seems like everything that's happening to you so far is, is just all these images and thoughts being put into your head. So was the life review like watching a movie or was it more delivered straight to your conscience somehow? Or how did that, how would you describe that? From this moment where, when I've asked a few questions and, and the answers were given, and there was this, this, this feedback going on, this clarification going on and from the moment we jumped to the life review of this, of this time around, it goes onto a movie. It goes onto a screen. It's like you see on these movies where the screen is just a glass, a transparent glass that it's there between us and the movie just shows up in this screen in between us. So it's like this, I call it an entity, this this source of light, this energy source on the other side. And I'm here and this, in, this screen just comes between us and it is like a movie. This one is like going to the movies, but it's like a, it's like a transparent, transparent glass screen between us and the movie, and we're both watching the movies. I'm watching from here, he's watching from there. And the movie starts like a movie theater, yes. Yeah, what kinds of things did you see? All of your life or certain important events or? We went from the beginning uh, of my life and, and, and it was interesting because it was not just a movie as features. It was like we had the movie and then we had 
that time and space, uh, mood, vibe, social behavior, social worries, all the ingredients that make decisions happen, they are present. It's like, it's like, it, it's not just the movie by itself was very, very complete with how people are thinking, what, why you can feel the essence of why people are making decisions like that and what's going on on the planet. What's, what's the, the, the time concern of, of, of that era, that age. So it was very complete and the movie goes fast until, until I had the question, until I had the questions. When I had the question, it's like, oh, wait a minute, either I don't remember that or what was that? Or why was that so, why was that so marking or so important for me at that stage? Then we would make a pause, the movie would pause. And we would have an explanation kind of because this is coming from this side, there's a pressure or a, there's an intention or an emotion coming from here. There's another emotion from there. There's another intention coming from this side. So this causes this emotion and causes you to decide like this. So you took that action and you desired for that. The episode would get sorted and explained and resolved. I would make, it would make sense to me. It was very beneficial because I could see that Previously, when I was a teenager or when I was using drugs or when I was angry or whatever, when I was ang- was getting, taking rash decisions, the blaming of others completely disappears. The forgiveness uh, is immediate. The forgiveness because it's very clear that everybody's acting out of love and out of their best knowledge and out of their best interest. So I could see that there was no one to blame on any episode. It made sense why I made that choice. It made sense why the other person made that choice. All the episodes I had doubts were related to human relations, right? Because it's, it's what usually causes more uh, conflict. It's human, human relationships. Can you give me an example, a specific one? We started to think, why was I angry with my parents at that day and age? Why was I blaming them so much that uh, I, was, I wanted to take a rational decision? irrational why was i so upset that i ran away and, and i would understand okay why was i angry that kind of situations and then understanding that there was no one to blame there was no that everyone's acting out of love always acting out of love even if we feel triggered by something it's it's our process but um, that everything works perfectly that everything made sense and it would be like of course my mother would do that oh, of course my father would do that. i would do the same if i was in their shoes or so immediately every subject that I had as a conflict got clarified and basically loved all the episode that I had angered before was just full of love now. And you mentioned someone, uh, a being on the other side of this screen. Was that God? Was that, do you have any idea? I'm going to be a bit blunt on this one. Today, I know we work with whatever I want to believe. So it is. Okay. So if I want to skip. I can, I can, I understood further on that interview, I call it, on that, on that episode, I understood how even, let's call it God, even God itself has descendants or sons or separations of them or continuations of them, ramifications, let's call it ramification, the ramification of God. And then those ramifications will have more ramifications. The same as the, the lungs work, the same as the roots on the tree work, the same as, um, the universe works, all the ramifications that exist onto each other's. It's the same current, it's the same information. If we want to call it, whatever I want to call it, doesn't really matter. And and I know this is not very clear, but... No, it's not. Come on. 
did you feel like this was and and whether the name is god or whatever source or whatever did you feel like that's who it was or somebody else yes 100% okay now i'm curious as you're watching these things in your life and we're not all proud of every single thing that we've done and this grand being is on the other side were you feeling guilt for any of that or were you just learning and being taught something nothing nothing i was laughing and loving no guilt at all no guilt at all there's no guilt because that's the whole point there's no guilt at all there's no guilt you're free of choices but not free of consequences so that's very obvious too but there's no guilt there's no guilt so you were learning from what you were watching then it sounds like yes a lot i was learning a lot is there anything else about the life review you want to describe to us yes the freedom that we have in that we got more in actually shaping our path, shaping our experience more later. The life review, it's just clear through that when I chose to go right, there was nothing stopping me from going left. When I chose to go up or when I chose to go down, when I chose to say yes or no, every decision that I made, there's no obligation. There's no determined path. There's no, it's an endless option at any time. You can start at any time. You can make a new choice anytime. That's why we were laughing because sometimes you're like, well, you gave me all of this and this is all I did. You know, <laughs> I have this chance to go down there and do this and this is what I was worried with. But at the same time, I could see what at the core of my interests, at the core of my passions, at the core of my excitements, they were there. And when I would allow myself to follow them, then that type of satisfaction that comes, it was when the whole was benefiting from it. That was also an incredible thing to understand that at the times that I'm not listening to anyone or to circumstances or to anyone, I'm just following my, my, my true self, that excitement and gratification that it brings you, that satisfaction of fullness and, and doing the right thing and doing well and being honest to yourself, that excitement that I feel, it, it's like, gets channeled up to, to the whole again, to, and to them up there and to the whole world education. Basically, the lesson that that was almost the only time we were being useful to the whole when when we can honor who we really are and what are our highest excitements. Like, what are we here for? What am I here for? And respecting your honest interests and your honest callings that joy that it gives you, that excitement that it gives you when you're doing that, that's when you're benefiting. That makes sense. Yes, that was also very clear with the life with you. Okay. How did it end? Uh, well, it ended on that day that I was falling in the garage. Okay. So we went through we went through all the, 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 the dramas and the conflicts and the fights and the angers, the things that motivated me at the time, the things that made me take decisions, took me where I was. And there was no regrets or guilt. Uh, but there was also no more blaming anyone else. There was a satisfaction. There was a laughing. Basically, the laughing of, isn't this fun? Isn't this fun? Like, we are so powerful and so blissful and so pure and so... But we go there to the planet. We chose to go there. We choose to go there, bang our heads together, suffer and trip and fall and hurt and fight. And, and in the end, isn't this fun? And we're just laughing about it. And that was... That was... You just laugh. There's nothing here to take so serious. There's nothing here. 
and then to speak because I was so depressed and so angry that I almost killed myself, or which I didn't. Well, the body did, but the fact that we were just laughing of, isn't it fun? And it, so we got to the point where I was so depressed because someone didn't react the way that I that I would like them to react, and I got so depressed and so upset that I, I was upset. Uh, it didn't do what I want them to do. How dare they? And obviously, they don't have to. Nobody has to. Nobody has to do anything that we want. But I love hearing that uh, uh, in the spirit world, there's humor and laughter, and and we laugh about things. Oh, everything. This, which will get us to the end of how it ends. Which, uh, when we see all the the, the after all these conflicts, because we stopped and cleaned up all the major dramas and, and events that that mark what I used to call my life. And laughing about it, laughing about how silly is this, and then we ended up. We got to the part where I was on the floor of the garage, uh, and floats to meet him. And by this time, I was feeling so well, and so happy, and so comfortable back in my spiritual form. I was so happy, and everything was got resolved. It was like getting rid of this burden, you know. It was like Jesus, water, right? It was like. Everything is clear and everything is breathed and everything is clarified and I'm not angry with anyone and I'm not blaming anyone and this is so much fun. And and I was starting to get comfortable there, thinking, okay, what's next? And immediately between us comes that feeling in the air of the auction. What's next? And I I, I, I see a multitude of options again. A multitude of options with the planet Earth being just one of them here in the corner. During this conversation and the live review, that's where I saw other souls floating around us and going and passing, some closer, some further away. Some I feel I know them. There was this feeling of familiarity. Some there was no feeling of familiarity, but I I was comfortable around them and they were comfortable around me. And that's the moment where immediately my mind goes to, or my, my essence goes to, huh, I'm not done. Uh, there's things I would like to have done better. There was things that I would like to, I would have liked to have used all of this in a better way if I knew any better. That was a feeling that I was at the time. And immediately the response was, then it's time to go back. And I didn't even have a chance to say yes or no because the feeling and the answer was so obvious. So we start moving away and I'm like, well, <laughs> so we separate, I separate from the entity at the same progressive that I approached him and I start looking to the other side and I see my boy, I see the planet coming closer, the planet getting bigger and then myself on the floor of the garage and then boom, I go to the body, I open my eyes, I get some air, I manage to get some air, the excruciating pain, pain is there and I crawled for a little bit, I managed to, to turn myself around in the sand because I couldn't move my arms or my body, I I crawled initially, then I got up, then I fell, then I crawled. But I had in me, I knew I could do it this time because God just told me it's time to go back. So suddenly I was with all the joy and all the laughter of our conversations just now in this body, in this wrecked body, but I had no fear. I had no doubts and I crawled myself back to the house where my grandmother was. I managed to crawl in and get into the house and the only words I can tell is call an ambulance and she says you're so pale you're so white uh, have some some water and sugar some sugar and water 
<laughs> That'll solve everything. Yes. I love grandmas. They're the best. And and I had to repeat, just call an ambulance, please. And I pass out uh, this time on the couch. And uh, and then the second stage of the process starts. Let's uh, Let's take a breath. Okay, you're back. I felt like I was holding my breath the whole way, like you sort of were. So, okay, now you've got an ambulance coming. Let's, let's pick it up from there because this is not the end of the story. Yeah, well, because we were in the countryside, there was no ambulances coming there any near us. So, But luckily, my next neighbor in the countryside was an uncle with, and his wife is a nurse. And so my grandmother, the scholar, secularly let me call, let's call your aunt to come over. And luckily they were home and they came running. And with my cousin, they were on the motorcycle ride because that's where they lived. So they, they had made it home. And so they, all of them came because my grandmother was worried. And she immediately, uh, I don't know if she puts her head on, on my hand on my head or something, but to her being a nurse, they immediately just pick me up and put me in the yeah, car. Grim so we're going to drive him to the medical center straight away. This was a weird, was a weird part. When they pick me up, I have my two cousins picking up one on each leg, one on each leg, and my uncle and my aunt on each arm, and they're carrying me horizontally from the couch to the car. And I remember looking over the side, and I see what's known as the what? What's his name? What people call the death cartoon figure, the, the Reaper, isn't it? The one with the black hood? Yeah, Grim Reaper. The Grim Reaper. So the the black ape with the hood and the big sickle and... Yeah. So you saw a figure like that? Yeah, standing right behind them on the side of the house, uh, watching them carrying me to the car. Well, that doesn't happen every day. Yeah, and I'm like that, and I'm barely breathing, barely... Uh, you know, I'm very, very dazed. I don't know what's the word, but I'm pale, I'm cold, I'm sweaty. And and I see the, the, that Green Reaper there, and there's a kind of a, a communication kind of, but I felt its essence, the essence of itself. Which felt like what? Like he's available to work if we call him. That was the vibe that I got. Like, you called me. It was like, you called me and now you change your mind. That's fine. That's fine. Go ahead. It was that there was a feeling that I that I got. It like that's the figure that we gave him. Somehow I don't know how, how old it is the figure given to the Green Reaper. I know I don't know the origins of the Green Reaper. But the signature, the energetic signature was there. That that was the shape of the figure and definitely the dress code. And that was the interchange uh, that we had. And I see him again later. I see I'll, I'll see him again later. And the vibe, the feeling that the answer that I got was that I was laughing kind of almost again, like back in my humanness, blaming him like, huh, they're trying to get me. Ha ha. Here you go. I'm stronger or whatever. You lost or something like that. And he was, and he was like, no, you just called me. I'm available to work. I'm, I'm, I'm on call. You called me to come. Now you change your mind. And that was it. And he was like, huh. Very matter of fact. It wasn't like I'm coming to get you, buddy. Not at that. No, very, very unemotional. Okay, so you get to the hospital, everything's cool? Not so, not really. So they take me to the medical center of town, which was a, a small village. And the doctor, they call the family doctor, this is a small village. He comes over 
uh, puts me all the, he says immediately, he's having a heart attack, puts me immediately all the, the heart monitor things. And he calls the ambulance and says, you guys have to go now. It's heart attack described by him. This is a massive heart attack. You need to take him straight away. And the ambulance comes. Now, I, I'm no expert at all, but my understanding is with a big heart attack like that, the more time that goes by before you get help, the more damage done to your heart. Is that correct? Did they tell you that? Yes. The 31% uh, damage to the heart muscle, 31% on that episode. That's how much you had? Yes. That's a lot. Yeah, and left a, a big scar and some damage. And then when I'm in the medical center, I'm, I'm, I'm again in that halfway stage between seeing, I cannot go back. I cannot not see everything as energy and alive. It's like speaking to a person in that stage would be the same as speaking to a wall. I was speaking to consciousness. I was speaking to life. It was weird. It was after seeing that the tree is alive the same way that the molecules of my body or that the floor or the concrete or that everything that's around is it's alive. Everything. So the respect I was I gained after this experience for everything that surrounds me, for the air that you breathe, for the oxygen that keeps us alive. My most valuable thing at the time was oxygen. I needed to get oxygen in me, right? Because I needed to breathe to feel the life again. And nothing would come as close to feeling on the other side, away from my body. Because it feels amazing and I don't need oxygen. I wouldn't need uh, food. I don't need nothing to feel amazing. So here I was back in my human body. I asked them for painkillers and they didn't want to give me painkillers because they thought I was having an overdose. Oh, then there was that side. The, the, the human side was, he used to be a drug addict. He's been clean and sober for four years. He had a relapse. As it happens traditionally with, with, with drug addiction, when people sometimes relapse, it's your body so clean and the drugs are so powerful or you don't know what you're doing and then you get an overdose. So the doctors didn't want to give me anything because they were afraid would react with whatever I would have taken. I was like, no, I didn't take anything. And I needed painkillers. <laughs> Just give me something because it hurt. And they didn't want to give it to me. And the ambulance arrives, and I'm questioning again, have I done the right choice in coming back to the planet? Because I've been pain since I've been back. Sure, I get it. I mean, you felt great there and not anywhere close to great here. And uh, so when they take me to the ambulance, I see, this time I see two figures. I see the Grim Reaper and I see a figure of a priest. Hmm. So the Grim Reaper was there again, but I also see a priest. They put me in an ambulance. I start asking for my more painkillers. They don't want to give it to me. And I quit. I say, oh, you know, effort. You guys don't want to give it to me. I'm dealing with humans again. After why do I need to fight? Why are you not listening to what I'm telling you? I'm just speaking with all honesty, with all my heart. I'm telling you, hey, it's fine. I need painkillers. Give me painkillers. I just came from speaking with God and these idiots. I'm sorry for them, but that's how I felt at the time. Freaking idiots. You guys freaking don't know what you're doing. But, you know, listen to me. Give me the painkillers. And they didn't. And I said, okay, I'm going to go again. And I decided to go again. Off I went, back up, left the body, back through the blackness back to the whole light, back to the presence, back to the feeling of, ah, ooh, so good. This is so much better. It's such a relief. Uh, but then I get confronted with another situation, which is the non-stopping of 
evolution and consciousness and progress, the growth, the growing of being. I get confronted with this situation now. So now I am in a place, kind of the message that I get from the entity again is like, yeah, the fact that you come here doesn't mean that you're just going to sit around here and just, we are growing, we are evolving, we are moving. There's no being stopped. There's no rest. There's no restness. There's nothing, there's no stillness. This is always growing and moving and this is, there's always unknown and there's always progressing and there's always, it's a constant evolution. And this is the time that they shocked me. They shocked me to bring me back to my body. So I'm speaking with the entity she's explaining this space to me. I see, I see another level of the, that's why I was mentioning before at the beginning, that's that level of the fractalic construction of consciousness and life, how it keeps growing in a fractalic way. If you understand the, the terminology, it's like a fractal. It's like the roots of a tree and they keep growing and growing and growing and expanding and expanding and expanding in all directions, in every direction, it keeps expanding. What we consider good, what we consider bad, what we consider better or worse, it's only perspective. It grows in every direction. It has to grow in every direction. So it grows. And I was having questions answered and clarifications on that sense, on, on composition of life, the existence, where is this going? Oh, then it brings me back to my body. I wake up again oh, when I see the nurse looking at me. Paddles? Uh, I don't see the paddles because they, they took it from the side, but I see I see their hands are there and they're there looking at me and the, and the nurse is looking in my eyes kind of. I see how scared he is because he knew he lost me. And he's looking at me, biggest eyes. And the first thing that I say is, give me the painkillers. <laughs> and he says, okay. <laughs> I'll die if you don't, right? <laughs> exactly. And you meant it. Yeah. And he did. He was like, I'll give you just a little bit. Whatever. Just give it. All right. You've got another experience coming up a few years later. Is there anything you want to want to put on wrapping up this one here before we move on? The benefits of just listening to yourself. Listen to your heart. Just listen to your heart. Everything is there. All the answers, all the energy, all the resources. That it is okay to choose whatever you want to choose. It is okay to do whatever you want to do. It is okay to experience whatever you want to experience and believe in it. And, and the more you focus on it, the more you get it. That was to wrap up this all knowledge at once, because then I practice it for, I was 27 now, 45. Yeah. I practiced for a long time. Yeah. So 18 years since then. So yeah, that's, oh, that's young, 27 years old, have that kind of heart attack, have two near-death experiences where you actually leave your body. Yes. But you had one more, didn't you? I had one more. Go ahead and jump forward to there. Again, relationship. So we had this lockdown, right? Three years ago, there was lockdowns and all this stuff. They say that people looking back at the COVID people, some people had babies, some people got a pet, some people got married, some people got divorced. There was a decisive point in life, right? It was a decisive point in this planet. I got into a relationship at the time, but because I'm a yacht captain, I was stuck with a boat. Uh, we were coming from the Caribbean and we stopped in Miami and I got stuck. We couldn't leave anymore. We put the boats up a, up a river and half of the crew had to go home because it was a world pandemic and they had to travel. And I stayed with a person on the boat there who ended up having a relationship. And soon after, I realized it was not the relationship that I wanted. 
but I couldn't run away from it, obviously. It was the COVID. Well, or excuses I was giving myself. I could, but it was not the best offer. But anyway, the relationship was very, very, we would have peaks, emotional peaks of, of extreme passion and love to extreme anger and fighting. And one thing I knew from myself, from my previous heart attack, is that I don't get involved in hard fighting. I don't. Well, another thing I learned with the new book experience with my first episode was, do whatever you want to do. Oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do Okay, just do it. Go, do it. Keep whatever you want. I know it's the best for you, and only know what you want to do, and so do it. I respect that a lot. I don't get in fights. I don't get in arguments. I do you, you do you, you do you, you do you, you, I do me, that sort of stuff. That You know, you're free to choose, you're free to do. Because arguing is not good for my heart. Because my emotions and my physical body react very quickly. So that relationship, I was suffering with it. I was getting a lot of physical pain in my heart with it because we were fighting a lot. And I was like, okay, Sal, you can feel it now. You know where this is going to go. One of these days, you're going to be so angry and so upset because you're arguing the basic perspectives. Because it's all it is, just the basic perspectives. And you're going to fall again on her with another heart attack. And I don't want that. I ran away. I said, listen, we have to break up for the seventh time. We have to break up. We fight a lot. This is not a good relationship. And one day I was arguing on the phone and she calls me back and she starts shouting at me. And I was arguing on the phone. I started getting so angry and so agitated that uh, I was with somebody else on another boat and I said, call an ambulance. <laughs> I know what's happening. <laughs> And he, take, he drives me to the ambulance. We have to meet an ambulance halfway because of the traffic. The ambulance cannot make it on time. So this guy, very good mate, puts me in his car, drives through traffic like a maniac, crosses everything, takes me to the to the ambulance. And the ambulance says, I was I was still very conscious, really half aware, half conscious on that phasey, hazy phase of seeing everything as energy. And they monitor my heart and they say, you're a 220. How long have you been at 2.20? Your pulse? Your heart rate? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's really high. Was it 2.20? And the other guy says, well, we took us 15 minutes to get here. So it's been 15 minutes at 2.20. And the, the guy says, okay, I'm going to have to shock you. Oh, no, first he says, I'm going to give you some drugs to reduce the speed. And I was like, sure, do whatever you want to do. He gives me the drugs, an injection. And it doesn't change. Oh, it dropped. I think it dropped to 218 for a few seconds and then went above 220 again. And he was like, oh, this is not working. I'm going to have to give you again. Just do whatever you want to do. Uh, it gives me another injection. And I feel it dropping again a little bit, but not fixing it, going back up again. And and he says, I'm going to have to, to shock you. And I tell him, you can't because I have a defibrillator. Oh, in in this 18 years of my my process, at some point they decided to install me a defib, a pacemaker with a defib, because they say, "Well, you're super healthy." There's another thing I would like to say. Obviously, after my heart attack, I did I changed in every areas of behavior, and food and exercise was obviously one of them. And each time I went back to my doctors they would call the other cardiologists because they could not believe the progresses I was doing physically because they said the heart is not supposed to regenerate. It's the only organ that once it's damaged, it's damaged. 
and I changed my food habits. I changed my exercise. I changed my routines. I changed my mental exercises, meditation, rituals, the priorities. And I got to, I was getting better, healthier. I was getting healthier too. I could run the marathon. I was, I was, they couldn't believe I was very, very healthy. But at some point they said, okay, they also told me when I left the hospital, here's seven pills you must take per day and you can't work. You can't do nothing. You can't get emotional. You can't get nervous. You can't get angry. And I remember clearly saying to the doctor after one year of recovery, I said, listen, doctor, I'm going to live my life. Okay. I just got back. I feel I'm fixed. I just did your efforts exams and you just see how healthy I am. I want to live my life. I don't want any pills. And I don't mind if I die because I know it will be the right thing to do. If I disappear tomorrow, I, I just, you know, it's fine. Don't worry. You shouldn't worry. Nobody should worry. I shouldn't worry because it's, everything works perfectly. So don't worry with that. I'm enjoying. But while I'm here, I'm going to follow what I've learned. Okay. I'm going to do what makes me happy. I'm going to do what excites me. I'm going to live my life. And that's, that's why I was sailing. I was jumping off an airplane. I was diving wrecks all over the world. I've, I've been doing everything that I wanted to do. All my bucket lists, I've ticked them off. But at some point, the doctor said, okay, then please let me put you a, a pacemaker and a bifid because in case if you have an episode somewhere, at least you're protected because you're going to be in the wild. I went through the desert. I went, you know, across the Atlantic Ocean nine times. I wanted to have excitement in my life. And I've agreed to put the device, but they didn't put the settings on. They just put the device, but it was pointless. I don't know why they, they didn't get it right. But one condition when you have a, a defib is that you cannot be defib by another device because that can kill you. So what does the paramedic do for you then? Well, he says you cannot have a defib because if you had one, it would have fired already because you've been at over 220 for over 20 minutes. Yeah. So you have to, you don't have one. And I showed him, it's here, I had one. And then it says, then it's broken because it should be, should have worked. You cannot be over 220, uh, over 20 minutes with a deep beep. So that thing is broken. I'm going to shock you anyway. Uh, and I've insisted with him because I had the message from the doctor that says, you cannot be shocked. You cannot be shocked. There's two devices, 400 volts, whatever it is, everybody gets hurt, but something like that. But they shocked me. And I said, "What?" And I said, "You know what? You're right because I think this doesn't feel good. I'm at 220. I was like, do what you have to do. Yeah, do something, anything. Yeah. So he, so he shocks me, and that's um, that's when I go back to the other side, back to the darkness, back to the light. Did you have another life review? No, not a life review. Was isolated. I was feeling so comfortable. I was feeling." was more of isolated questions, isolated answers. What am I doing wrong? Why am I here again? Why did my thoughts, because I don't blame anyone. I don't blame the girl that I was dating for my heart attack. I don't blame her at all. My question was, what has been my thought process that brought me here again? Why am I suicidal? Because I know I also learned that every death is a suicide. Every death, what we call death, when people depart this planet, is a suicide, all of them. It's not just when people cut their wrists or shoot their head all the time. My death was a suicide. I called. I asked to be dead. I asked for the Grim Reaper to come and take me. You do know a lot of people are going to disagree with you on that statement, right? That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's okay. Keep going. I know. They have. I've, I've been doing this for already. For, I've been 
speaking about this for a few years. Oh, I know. I know. Some people, I can feel it's pointless to speak about this. And some people, I know they're open to the idea. When you understand the power of, of thought and emotions, every thought is a suicide. Every thought, no, I'm sorry. Every death is a suicide because every thought, the powerful, the power of a thought, a conscious thought, and the choices where you put your consciousness through focus, whatever you focus on, you will get it. Whatever you focus the most, because if you focus about getting a pot of gold three seconds every five days, you're not going to get the pot of gold. It's energy. Thoughts, you can, it's mind over matter. This has been the latest discussion. I don't discuss because if people don't want to believe that they were not open, I said, okay, that's fine. But I'm just sharing things that I know. Yeah. And I didn't mean to get you sidetracked. Was there anything else that happened in the spirit world this time that was different than the other times or new? No. Was the, the, the same? Well, it was different. It was a different, like we met in a different room, more evolved, more. I was more comfortable. The information was given in the same way. Uh, there was answers of why I was going. Because that was my main question. Because I knew it was my my thoughts that brought me to that state. And so my main question this time is, what am I going through? Which thoughts am I doing that are causing me this experience? And then I got the answers. That's clarification. And... I wasn't there in peace for a while. I was just enjoying it for a while. And then I woke up in the bed of the hospital. And then it's all flowers and roses since then. If I so choose to. Yeah. If I wake up and I do my, I have meditation, I have meditation books and audios. I have, I write 10 things I'm grateful, sometimes 20 things I'm grateful for every day since that observe. I always do a gratitude list first thing in the morning while I have my, First, even before I get out of my bed, as soon as I wake up, I do a meditation. I, I take profit of that moment of waking up without concerns or without the life matter. And being in that spiritual zone, that peaceful zone, to savor it more and to see which thoughts really matter. And then I do make my coffee and I write my gratitude list for the day, be it I'm grateful for my coffee, to I'm grateful for the money in my bank, or I'm grateful for... Uh, girlfriend or whatever it is small things big things whatever you want to you need to find the joy in being here because this is what you will laugh about it when you get to the other side you will laugh about it and you will see how your choices and your thoughts created your experience that would have been a perfect ending to this podcast but i have a couple more questions first so that's fine uh you mentioned a book and i know you have a book called captain heart and uh, it's by the pen name of yours, George Adatsi. Is that book about your near-death experience or something else? Yes, it is. It is. There's more information on it about what we just spoke of. But yes, it's about that. Yeah, you can always fit a lot more in a book, a lot more detail. Yes. Well, is there anything else before we go that you'd like to share with our listeners, whether it's uh, you know, something that's going to help them in their life? bring them some joy at this point go within and find what makes you smile go within if you're not having a good time of your life if you and if you're blaming others and if you're blaming circumstances or whatever it's going on around you uh it trust me it comes from you we are we come here to experience things uh, i know you many people don't believe on mind over matter they don't believe on the power of our thoughts that's fine but imagine that just imagine hypothetically doesn't mean that I'm right. It doesn't mean that you're wrong. 
But imagine, let's imagine this hypothetic world where whatever you would desire would come to you hypothetically. Okay. So what would make you smile? What would make you happy? How would you like to spend your day? Just try it hypothetically. Just imagine that the world, this is how the world would work, that you would uh, bring to you whatever you spend more time thinking about. What would you do then? If that was a true fact, what would you do? What would you think about? What would you think about since you wake up? Or what would be the first two hours of your day that you would think about if what you think about brings you your experience? If this was true, what would you be thinking about? So hypothetically, whatever puts your smile on your face, that would be my advice. And ignore the rest. Ignore that somebody's not or in order that somebody asks you for something and can you do this for me and can you do that wait a minute I need to take care of myself I cannot help you if I don't feel good so give me a minute I need two hours for myself I love that how would people's lives be different if they had no fear of death because I can tell that you don't oh not at all there's no there's no death there is no death there is no death and this again I'm going to try to put it in the different worlds this is like coming to a movie theater or this is like going to a, an attraction park where you choose to get in, you choose which rides you want to do, you choose which rides you want to do again or not, and you choose when to leave. And what people are not convinced is they think that somebody's going to kick them out of the attraction park or you think that somebody's going to hold them in the attraction park and now you have to work and you're going to do this because you have to stay at the attraction park and you have to suffer before you leave. No, 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 none of that. You choose when you get in, you choose which rides you're going to take, and you choose when to get out. This coming in here is exactly like that. And you will laugh. Once you get out of the attraction park, there was moments you were sad, there were moments you were scared, there was things you wanted to do again. But God, you want to go back. I love it. Thanks a lot, Sal. Appreciate having you on today. Well, I hope I've answered your questions because I do know I do go sideways because I love this. I love this subject and I... I Sometimes it's hard to find the words or the, the, the vehicle to, to, to bring some some information. Your English is pretty darn good. Don't worry about it. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. Thanks again for listening, and remember to share this podcast. To be notified when the next episode goes live, follow us on your podcasting app or click over to roundtripdeath.com and sign up for our email newsletter. Until then... I wish you everything good that you're looking for in this life and the next.